Welcome to Slackerwood Podcast 14.1. I'm Jet Kernian. And I'm Debbie Serda. And you may wonder why we have a point one, but we have so much extra stuff from Fantastic Fest this year. So many great interviews that we wanted to set them off in a little, little extra podcast of their own. Debbie, why don't you tell us who we've got on this podcast? My interview is with Carrie Pryor, who is a writer-director for The Revenant. He won Best Director at Fantastic Fest this year. And I had an opportunity to meet with him and talk about his film, uh, some of the inspiration of it, as well as the special effects, and also found out that he's a Twilight fan. Really? Yes. That's funny. I think Wait till you see the picture. <laughs> well, The Revenant, which I also caught at Fantastic Fest and really loved, is a movie about a soldier who's killed in Iraq, and then suddenly uh, he finds out he's up. undead. Yes, he winds up still still living, and uh, just seeing how he goes on with his undead life is rather interesting. And uh, the center point of this piece is really a relationship between him and his best friend uh, as he's dealing with these issues. And so it, it's a really great, really nice uh, film. It reminded me a little of um, a Masters of Horror episode called Homecoming that Joe Dante directed, which is also has to do with zombies and the war in Iraq. Let's cut to the interview where you talk to Carrie Pryor. So I'm here with... Carrie Pryor, writer, director of The Revenant. And uh, how has your Fantastic Fest week been? Uh, spectacular. It's great. Um, Tim and Carrie are um, not just super friendly, but such impressive people. I, like, I'm blown away by what they've done with this theater and you know, putting the new club in next door. And, um, and just you know, the way they run this festival. It's a class act great place uh, you know every every there's just so generous with the filmmakers and everybody's so nice and you know the audiences are eager and enthusiastic and fun and just a great time what are some things that you saw at this festival that you don't see often um elsewhere and what are the things that you kind of the highlights you had while while you were in austin at the festival uh boy what did i see was very impressed with rampage uh was not familiar with Uva Bowl, but that was uh, an impressive movie. And loved Stingray Sam. What a hilarious... I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen anything I didn't like. And, and at the same time, I'm not sure I've seen anything that I would see in a theater either. So it was good stuff. So with that in mind, what do you think in regards to your film? Um, I know it played really well here. What do you see as the challenges for that, especially with it being such a genre film? I Can I mention plot spoilers? I, I think there, there, that, uh, there may be people who, who... There may be distributors have trouble with certain scenes in the movie you know certain scenes involving severed heads and dildos maybe okay. ironically i think it's you know it's one of those scenes that everybody talks about and yet it may be one of those scenes that a distributor is a little shy about it's funny you know the, th- the, the thing i haven't heard because it, it's a you know it's kind of a downer of a, of a i mean it's dark it, it's uh i think it's a tragedy you know I mean, in terms of its structure, structurally, it's a tragedy. And people don't release many of those, you know, even as horror movies. I don't know. Maybe that'll... I have no idea. You know, I don't know. I have high hopes. Look, if, the, if all audiences respond the way these guys did here at Fantastic Fest, then, you know, it shouldn't be any problem getting distribution. But you just, you just never know. You, you never know what people are going to have trouble with. Is there anything you would do a little differently? Are you pretty pleased with it? That's a great question. Um, it would be it would be a very different movie. I was going to say completely different. It wouldn't be completely different. But yeah, there's stuff that, you know, somebody famous said that you only ever get like 60% of your vision on film. And uh, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. It sounds like it was a... God, who would have said that? I don't know. 
Um, Alfred Hitchcock, maybe. But yeah, that's I'm, that's why I'm more and more impressed by filmmakers like uh, Michael Heineke. You know, I saw his uh, American version of uh, Funny Games. And, you know, shot for shot, it was the same movie that he shot, like, what, 10 years earlier, which tells me he was happy with what he'd shot the first time. And that's not the case. If I were to redo this movie, it would not. There would be a lot of stuff that's different. So, I mean, it speaks really highly for people like him or the, you know, the Coen brothers. They're, you know, just notoriously successful about getting their image to the screen. You know, they storyboard everything. What I'm always impressed with, you look at DVD, a Coen Brothers DVD, and there'll be like deleted scenes. And it'll be like a 30 second shot of someone walking through a door. <laughs> You're like, that's the only thing you cut from your movie? Like those guys are precise. They're like surgeons. Yeah, if I could be that kind of filmmaker, that'd be something. I'm not, clearly. <laughs> um, a couple of the things that I found really notable about this was two things. The comedic timing was just amazing, and the comedy was great. But then also the development of the relationship of these two guys. And so I guess from that, what did you kind of draw on for your inspiration? Was um, draw your inspiration for from the comedy as well as the development of a relationship between these two guys? Well, well, at the end of the movie, I dedicated it to four guys who were buddies of mine who all died in various ways, motorcycles and uh, <laughs> a, uh, an infected hair follicle drug overdose just like all this you know young guys and so for sure a lot of the comedy of uh, the funeral scenes in the beginning were were drawn from real life experience you know i always felt like there was something really ironic about this situation where everyone you know i would be for example flying home or going to you know wherever you know so just uh you know i felt like there was something really funny and and uh, ironic about going to this place and joining people to in this mournful act where everyone was just you know racked with sorrow and yet still there are all these things that you have to take care of you know you gotta you have to pay people to embalm the body and and prepare it and bury it and there's just business to be taken care of and and uh you know the minister's speech was a speech that i heard you know re really like almost almost verbatim in, in terms of talking about hey you know this is a time for us all to look at our own lives and uh you know turned into a sales pitch which i felt was sh was shocking and um so uh so yeah the friendship between bart and joey was definitely modeled after friends of mine you know and and so if you know, the, the way they could casually uh, talk to each other and, uh, you know, it was clear that they knew each other intimately and they could uh, joke at each other's expense and be constantly sarcastic. That's the kind of rapport I have with my friends. And so that was definitely the inspiration for that. I think if there, you were to do a, a, you know, you do well with this at the theater and you do a DVD release as far as scenes, I'd really like to see the scene you had mentioned about the car. The that Again, because it's just that sort of reflection of their relationship. Yeah, there's a scene where they're arguing about who the, who the car really belongs to. And it's funny because now, in, in retrospect, I realize the audience probably all thinks it's Joey's car, but it's not. It's Bart's car. So, yeah, there, there was actually a bunch of stuff. I could almost make a whole movie out of the stuff that we cut out. Uh, but, you know, on top of that, uh, Chris Wilde, who played Joey, and David Anders, who played Bart, just immediately became tight friends on the set, like instantly. Um, we cast uh, Bart first. We cast uh, David first. And, uh, and, then, um, and then we said, well, you know, all right, so it's time for a new casting session for Joey's. Night. And we were putting together a casting session where we were going to, you know, invite people and whatever, which is a long process. And I just said, you know what, let's just go. Chris Wilde had come in. I'm like, let's just go check out Chris Wilde again because um, he was funny and he gave us a good audition. So we went and met with him for probably an hour and a half at Birds in Los Angeles and walked out of there. And it was just like, you know, 
I want to see Chris Wilde with a machine gun. And so uh, <laughs> those two guys showed up on set and we could barely rehearse because they were constantly screwing around and trying to make each other laugh. And just, I mean, it was like they'd known each other for years. And, uh, and that comes through. You could have rehearsed another two actors forever and never gotten what we got out of Chris and David. That's pretty amazing. Uh, just from what you got from your actors, as well as the special effects, I was really impressed with that as well in regards to sort of the authenticity of it uh, at times. And so w did you find that that was a challenge? Did you see that things on the screen were actually more than you had envisioned? Uh, meaning spectacle-wise? I, I would say that see playing out what you had envisioned as far as the special effects and the effectiveness of it. Sometimes. It was hit or miss. You know, we had a pretty limited budget, so, um, but, you know, my background is effects, so I pretty much had in mind what I wanted everything to look like and how we were going to approach it. And, um, and sometimes it turned out exactly that way, in which case I wasn't surprised and I was happy about it. But then a lot of times, it, there's always something. No matter how well you plan it out, there's always something. There's like, oh, crap, I didn't know we were going to have to roto out that with the wire for the dildo or oh yeah the green screen uh wasn't wasn't really isn't working as well as we thought so we're gonna have to do a bunch of roto on this shot or you know there's so there's always some challenge but um but ultimately it's just you know it's like whatever it's like shoveling rocks sometimes you you don't gauge how many rocks there are properly but if you just keep shoveling it gets done well, so uh, what's next with you with this film? Are you traveling around to a few more festivals? Um, are you what what's new? What's coming up for Carrie Pryor? Yeah, we're at a bunch of bunch of other festivals. We're at um, Sitges next week, Chicago International Film Festival, Screamfest LA. Uh, where else? Stockholm, Sweden, uh, Leeds, England. Uh, we've been invited to submit to Brussels and to Amsterdam, and uh, we just got into Sao Paulo. Brazil, so um, so yeah, it's going all over the place, and um, and then in between there, um, um, you know, I'm gonna try and uh, nail down a distribution deal and get it out to theaters, so uh, so then I can go on and and do the third sequel to Twilight, which is next on my radar. <laughs> Apparently, the werewolves are involved now, so there's a there's a you know love triangle. Is that? That's what I get from the poster. See, I, I put it got it on, as my phone thing oh, that's here. Great. Yeah, I just took a picture of the poster over there. But oh, as you can see, the 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 werewolf is uh, is now in the in the middle symbolically between our heroine and and the vampire. So and he has a kind of an angry look. You can't see it because there's text on his face, but he has kind of an angry look, which tells me love triangle. Okay, well, so we heard it here first at Slackerwood. You so much for being here in Austin and uh, you know for let me talk to you for Slackerwood and and supporting Fantastic Fest and we look forward to seeing you in Austin again. Fantastic. I've loved Austin by the way. I can't wait to come back to Fantastic Fest next year and I just want to say thanks to everybody at uh, Fantastic Fest, Tim and Carrie and just everybody's been great. And that was Carrie Pryor, the director of The Revenant. And we're really grateful to Carrie taking the time to talk to us. This was actually right after his second screening and it was a packed house on the final night of Fantastic mm -hmm. Fest. To him, as well as all of his compositors that were in attendance, Ryan, we want to say thank you from Slackerwood. You've been listening to Podcast 14.1. I'm Jet Kernian. And I'm Debbie Serta.